and hear the word of the Lord read here. All right, here we are. I've called this one, We Remember Jesus the Messiah. This is the anniversary. This is more of a theme this morning rather than a, like a Bible work through John 7. We remember today those who have died in wars. <clears throat> uh, not just World War I, but um, World War II, the Falklands, the Gulf War, conflicts in Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran, Ukraine, and so on. But everyone here knows that wars aren't a thing of the past. Um, one poet wrote this. The wars we mark as long ago are close to home. They're all we know. So we're also thinking this morning about political wars and domestic wars, religious wars, wars in your workplace tomorrow morning, psychological wars and depression, the war of sickness and illness and facing trials and death because some of us are just clinging on just to get through today and sometimes we're guilty but other times we're innocent parties of a war that we've been brought or it's been brought to us and in all this I've called this one we also remember Jesus the Messiah or Christ because if we just remember wars strife and suffering without remembering Jesus it is really going to leave us all without hope and meaning. To fight for freedom of any kind or survival, to show bravery and honor of any time, is all meaningless without the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me explain as we have communion in a few moments' time. Do you hate evil? Do you hate death and pain and suffering and domestic abuse and rape and scandals and greed and wars of all kinds? Do you hate it? Is it evil to you and to me? If your answer's yes, from the very gut, we cry yes, why? Why? Do we have this knowledge and hatred of evil? Why? Because without God, all that we can remember today as we look back on brave people and people suffering stuff is this. Oh, it was just a random cycle of a fate which one writer who doesn't believe there's a God sums up like this. It's all blind, pitiless indifference. People say, we hate evil. All right. What's evil? And on whose terms are you getting that standard from? Because, no Jesus, all we've got is a universe which is cold and indifferent. And it will be the death of us all. Without God, there's no problem to be had with evil and war and suffering at all. And we should all have a problem with that worldview and that idea. Especially today, as we're pastoring people through the week who are facing tremendous wars and struggles. Here's a question. 
Um, imagine there's a world with no straight sticks. So you go to Heath Park, through the woods, you walk through the woods, and you're in a world where there's no straight sticks and all the sticks are crooked. And your friend says, that's not right. All these sticks are crooked. What do you say in a world without any straight sticks? How shy today are you? You say, how do you know? Because there's no straight sticks to call that bendy stick, that wonky stick, crooked. Now then, according to John chapter 7, there's a straight stick in the world. There's a standard of good by which every human being can know there are wonky sticks in Heath Park. Or people are broken and not working properly. People are wonky and we cause wars. By which we have an objective standard to say, this is evil. And we're not just deciding it as a group among ourselves. It's not just subjective. It is legitimately, gut-wrenchingly wrong and evil. Except in John 7, it's not a stick. It's someone who's been sent from heaven who says and shows goodness matters and it's not made up. Suffering matters because people are precious. Death is horrible. Sin harms people. Bravery is valuable. Love isn't just to be reduced to a chemical formula of protoplasms. It's more than that. It transcends chemistry. And when a loved one falls and dies in a field or in a hospital, it's not just protoplasm rearranging itself back into the flowers in the floor. There's something much more beyond that, beyond the relative. Evil is real. And John 7 presents someone from heaven who's on the scene. He's just like us. But he's better. He's good. And he's what we should be. And we're not. And we think about that today. In John chapter 7, people are asking this about Jesus. They still ask it today. Is he God? Is he from another world which is better than this? How do we get there? Is there a place beyond my worries? Is there more than the here and now? Do things matter? And all of that is bound up in one chief question that they ask him in John 7. Are you the Christ? The Messiah? And some concluded yes, and some concluded no. And in 2022, some conclude yes, some conclude no. Here's a few verses on hearing these words, some of the people said to Jesus, surely this man is the prophet. Others said, he's the Christ. Still others asked, how can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the true Christ come from David's family in Bethlehem? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him. Others wanted to lay hands on him and harm him. Others came to believe that he is the Christ. Many of you know him as Jesus. That's his personal name. It's altogether wonderful to some of us. 
His official name is Messiah, anointed one. And anointed means full of God, full of the Spirit, full of the world we all need and full of hope and joy and salvation. Set apart, different to me and Chris. Better, sorry Chris. A person not given to war and sin and greed and domestic violence and gossip and bringing someone down so naturally. He's from a world which we long for on Remembrance Day. He is anointed with God's Spirit without measure. There's no harm in him. You can trust your children with this man. If he had a mobile phone, he wouldn't do evil things with it. He's altogether lovely. He is set apart, the anointed one. And others in the Bible have moments of being lovely and godly, and they get anointed by God's Spirit. You can read, uh, I tell you what, before I say that, moments of loveliness. I think this year's John Lewis Christmas advert is the best John Lewis Christmas advert that's ever, ever been. Have you seen it? Look out for it. There's something special and very Jesus-like about it. For me, as a Christian, I watch I think, oh, that's like Jesus! And um, though it doesn't actually name him, it, it is really like him. See, some people are just really good, and there's a good guy in this advert, and it's lovely. And in the Bible, some people get anointed for moments of being like God. So David and kings and queens, they get oil poured on them. It was a picture of the Spirit being on them for a while. Priests in Exodus, they get anointed. They're godly for a bit. Prophets in Kings and Samuel, they preach for a while and they're like God. But spend a few weeks with them and you realize, oh, David's just like me. Deborah's just like me. The guy in the John Lewis advert, I wonder what he would be like in two months. Like, no spoilers, but they receive a child into their home. I would like John Lewis to release an advert in April just to show us how it's going. Like where they've all been on top of each other for two or three months. They should do that. Where they're all having to say, I'm really sorry I flung off the handle with you again. Yeah, you keep doing that. And I shouldn't have screamed at you or stolen the money from your wallet. And I shouldn't have stormed out. But it's you. You do it to me. I want to see that advert. Pick up your towels from the floor. Or um, that noise you make when you eat. You know, even the best moments among godly people, like three months with each other, and we realize, no, there's something... There's something not quite right with all of us. Even the very best of us, like, show at times, quite often, if you're like me, what we're really like. And so on this day, as we head to communion, we're asking, like, and they ask it in John, is there anyone who isn't given to a war in their hearts? Like, is there anyone who's constantly just not given to that? Who can get us out and press the reset button? And in John 7, one walks up and he is the Christ, the Lord's anointed one. Covered in the oil of the Spirit, full of life. Chrismenos, chrismation, that's where you get Christ from. Just totally anointed with goodness. 
never lets people down. In the Bible, uh, it says oil makes your face shine. In Psalm 104, that's why we anoint ourselves with oil. I'm told, ladies, some ladies go upstairs before bed and have like a 35-minute ritual of rubbing oils into their bodies to keep youth. I'm sure some men do it as well. Some of us pay lots of money to anoint ourselves with oil to make us look full of life. I can see some men nudging their wives in the pew. I won't point them out. When our hair dries out and the skin dries out, it's like it loses oily moisture and life. And we're like, oh, get that back in, get that back in. That's why they anointed people with oil. And here enters the Christ embodied with all of the life that we all need and want and that our bodies show that we don't really have very much because of sin. And in the midst of the war of John 7 and the tumultuous life and people suffering, there's one oily, angelic, totally good man. There's something about him. In John 4, he says this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Christ, because he has anointed me What's Jesus going to do with his goodness? To preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I am here. So it's only because of heaven's lovely man do we rightly have a standard to hate war and evil, and sin, and death. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to heaven's straight stick, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you love him? Does he love you? Are you safe in his arms? Here's a question. What's the oldest book in the Bible? Be careful now. Job. And here's what my friend said on a video about the book of Job last week. The very first book of the Bible, Job cries something out 20 times. Do you know what it is? Why? He looks to the heavens. Why am I subject to war? It's not even my fault, this one. So the Bible like sets it out. It gets that there are people crying out across the world. Why? It's a godly thing to do. I am suffering and I'm innocent a lot of the time. Did you know a third of the book of the Psalms is lament? People saying to God, how long until you help? Why have you forsaken me? It's all full of sufferings. Like the atheists write book and books and make loads of money. And it winds me up. We've been saying, why does God allow suffering for like, well, I won't get into how many years because we'll do a hot topic on that one another time. Like how old's the world won't do that one right now. Like Stephen Fry in a video, I would never worship a God. Why would he allow evil? It's like, Steve, by what standard are you angry at evil? At best, when children get cancer or a wife crashes the car and dies, you can say, unlucky, unlucky. You can't say it's evil, Steve. You can't, unless there's a heavenly man. If you looked at the world, and we'll wrap up now, just looked at it and thought God made all of this directly, created everything we see around us. Do you know what the Apostle Paul concludes when people do that? You would come up with a God called Satan. 
If we look around like Stephen Fry does in the video and go, he must be evil if he created all of this, you'd get Satan. And that's what Paul says. Satan is the god of this age. But Christians don't do that. We're told not to do that in the Bible. In the Bible it says, if you want to know who God is this morning in your war, you look to the sent one, the one who is full of him, and you'll know God. And he stands at Park End this morning and he says, come to me, come to me, I've been sent to get us out of here. It's broken, we broke it, he says to the people, you broke it. I'll sort it out. I'll fix you first, so repent of your warring sinful hearts. I'll deal with that. Then I'll fix absolutely everything else. God has sent me to do that. I'll fix everything that's broken. I'm the ultimate Job who cries out on behalf of people. Why? And I've got the answers. So follow me. We protest. We hate evil. We pray to God about it. Perhaps for the first time today, you're going to be thankful, though, for good things in your life as well. Maybe for the first time that Jesus has been sent to lead us out. But I tell you this, if anybody says these soldiers died in vain, and we're just some DNA people giving nothing more to replicating DNA on a rock hurtling through a meaningless universe from nowhere, going nowhere, we say... With God-given right, that is not good enough. We hate evil. And we come this day to a suffering son with his arms outstretched, covered in blood, saying, I have sorted this. Follow me out. We come now to feed on Jesus after the next hymn. If you are captive to some warring sin and problem, come to Jesus and be saved. Feed on this meal as a symbol that he is your hope. If you've got no money and you're facing the war of poverty, he will be enough for you in it. If you are falling apart at the seams, take this meal and find Jesus to be your comfort. And if you are facing the end of your life, take this meal and know that Jesus is your future from the world to come, and he will take you there. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.